Hey guys, Brian with Cajun Cardboard coming at you with another episode of the Pop Report. This is episode number eight, but it is part two of the National. And again, we have Josh at Midwest Vintage Cards on IG joining us as usual. And then we also have our special guest to discuss the National and all things National related, uh, Justin at 610 Sports Cards as well. Guys, we left off uh, on part one with plenty of meat left on the bone to discuss in part two. But before we get there, I wanted to ask you guys, between the time we filmed episode one and episode two that we're filming right now, what is that, five, six days, you guys each went to a show, but did you go to different shows? Justin, uh, tell me what yeah. tell me what show you were at. You set up as a dealer. Talk to us about it. Just let us know where you were. Yeah, so I went to uh, the, the Midwest Monster Show in Indianapolis, um, and it was organized by, oh, God, I, I'm good with one of the two, but Andy at IndyCard Exchange, um, and then I think it's, j and j card shows um something along those lines forgive me but uh it was the first one that they'd ever set up in the in the indianapolis area um is at a local uh basketball gym with like a, a like 10 or 12 courts just really reminded me of my aau days um but it was a, it was a great setup about 300 or so tables um and it was i, I the, the good vibes i mean i think everybody everybody was still excited to talk cards try and figure out where we're at with the hobby um now going forward but you know people were buying selling trading great foot traffic great venue um and i i was i was very very happy with the experience and and you know cautiously optimistic for the next 6 12 18 months that's fantastic that is a fantastic name for a card show by the way it's very uh was perfect yeah. intimidating midwest monster i love it i love it josh yeah. where'd you go you were in chicago you had to just walk yeah. out your door into a show right yeah it was great we set up at rosemont where they have the national and uh it was a little smaller and i think the consensus was that indie show took a lot of the dealers away which was fine because it was still like justin said i had the same experience a lot of foot traffic thursday and well friday and saturday and it ran from 10 to 8 30 every day which I thought was pretty cool. And they tried to pack, you know, four days into three. Because usually those shows are over at like 5.30 or 6. Uh, but it was good. Yeah, a lot of selling, a lot of trading. It was fun. A lot of the 12-year-old kids with tons of uh, tons of cash and inventory. Future dentists, man. Future dentists just rolling around. Little teenage dentists in training, uh, just dealing high-end cards. You guys both set up as dealers. What Just if you recall, biggest card you 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 sold, biggest card you picked up in trade, anything stand out, any big stuff stand out, bought or sold or traded? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I traded in traded an MJ Exquisite Auto Patch number to 100, 0405, um, and then a Wade Exquisite RPA the next day. So um, stuff was, I mean, stuff was moving. Again, I think it's, I think it's, people are definitely leaning more into the trading than just the straight cash, but, yeah, you know, it's, it, it just requires a little bit more work, which I've always, I've always sucked at trading. I mean, that's forever. And I still kind of suck this weekend, but that's, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. It's easy as cash. No, right? it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's really not. And it, it involves me getting out of my comfort zone a lot more than, yeah. than usual and be like, Oh, these are all not basketball cards. I don't want yeah. these. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, it, I mean, people, people are doing stuff. It was, it was great. And consensus again, from the, the indie show that I, from the dealers I talked to was that there was, there's plenty of action. Just a big, maybe card. a different, different kind of action. Yeah. What about you, Josh? Anything that stands out? Yeah, I got a uh, '97 Pinnacle Gretzky Mirror Gold out of 35. It's a pretty tough card. Gretzky played hockey, Brian. Uh, yes. That's so a pretty tough card. I was I traded for that 
which is out of my comfort zone. I'm sorry, I got a 13 pound dog barking in the background that thinks she's 50 pounds. Good job. Right. Um, and oh yeah, so I started trading more lately, and you able to like you know spread out like different branches. You know, you trade a couple of cards for a couple of cards, and it grows. It's yeah, it's hard for me because I have I usually just buy stuff, but lately I've been trading, and it's been it's been good. So yeah. I've been happy with the results. Like out of my comfort zone, like Justin said. I know, Josh, I know you do hockey, you do baseball, you do football, you do basketball. So you're good trading one sport for another. Justin, it sounds like you're the same way. I know you're primarily basketball. Is that fair? But uh, yeah, it's I, I'm I'm pretty much just basketball. I mean, you might have yeah. seen like an Elway BGS 10 rookie sneak into my feed, which <laughs> one of the deals required me getting a little creative. And by creative, yeah. I mean, not just basketball, but um Again, I think that's I think that's just kind of part of it, um, you know, especially where we are with the the current the, the current landscape of of the of the hobby is that I mean, I think we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but you just need to you can't be so entrenched in kind of your old ways. You know, it's just you got to be got to be willing to to adapt with the times a little bit. And, yeah, um, that's what sure. we did. And, you know, I overall overall positive. As a dealer, you just you. I mean, if you see value in a trade, yeah. then you you take value as a trade. That's kind of the distinction between a dealer and some you know fool from Louisiana like me who's going to walk in and kind of ask you know to start trades. So that's one of the uh, one of the advantages of being a dealer and staying on that side of the table. I'm sure is that you get all kinds of trade offers. Um, all right, enough about that. Uh, I'm jealous. Y'all both got to go to shows. I uh, what did I do? I coached an indoor soccer game. I just got my voice back, so I'm excited. I screamed. Have y'all ever coached indoor soccer? No, none of the kids can hear anything. It, it's literally like your voice is useless. Um, so screamed for about 40 minutes straight, but I got my voice back. Let's start talking about the national again. Um, let's talk about practical considerations and we can kind of, uh, these are the types of questions that I know I'm going to have. I think a lot of first time attendees are going to have, not just first time national attendees, but remember, I'm almost coming from uh, a, a being a pure show virgin. I mean, I've been to these little shows here in Baton Rouge. Uh, I've set up at a couple of little tiny shows, but I'm not even uh, acclimated to big shows in any. I mean, both of those shows that you guys went to would be by far the biggest shows that I've ever seen. I mean, the idea of 300 or 400 tables to me is just, uh, you know, insanity. So let's talk about some of the practical questions that you guys probably take for granted and it's just nature, it's just muscle memory. You've done it a hundred times, but stuff guys like me might not know the answer to, but you guys can help uh, help me and help the subscribers and the viewers of this video. Um, let's just go in order. Uh, this is the first question that I had and I'm, I'm running these things through my head. Practically speaking, how do I get cash? How much cash and how do I get cash from Baton Rouge, Louisiana into my pocket down to an airport in New Orleans, on a flight to Philadelphia, on a train, to a hotel, and then to the Atlanta Convention Center. How much is enough? How much is too much? How much is not enough? And I know it just depends on what type of collector you are and what level you know, you're playing the game at, but I just hear stories of people with 75, 100,000, 200,000 cash. And I just, I'm obviously not bringing that, but like, do you guys ever worry about that stuff? Yeah, uh, I think that's that's one of the most common questions that that anybody gets who's who's set up at the national before or, or been to a national before from someone who um, who hasn't really been to a show like that. Um, and Brian, I mean, you you kind of touched on it, but it goes back to what we talked a little bit in, uh, in the first episode. It, it's got to be what you're comfortable with. Um, I guess since this is a, a practical consideration section, practically speaking. You can carry as much cash as you want to through uh, 
through a domestic airport. Like it's not like an international flight where you can only carry up to a certain amount of money. Yeah, um, yep, exactly. So you can, I, I definitely had more cash than that on me um, at the Indiana or the Indianapolis show this past weekend. Um, and I actually got stopped by TSA. This was the first time I've got stopped by, by TSA. Um, and they, they looked at my cash instead of the card. So, um, one thing, practically speaking, that somebody mentioned to me that's super helpful is that if you get if you get plucked by TSA, whether it's to look at your cards or for cash or both, um, just ask the agent if you can have a private screening. Um, and it's it's just they basically just pull you aside. They might take you into a little room or behind a you know a cubicle type wall, um, but it's basically they go through your stuff privately, so it's not in sight of everybody that's going through the security line. Um, yeah. They asked me, they asked me a few questions, just, you know, like, what were you, you know, what were you doing? What was the cash for? And I explained to them, it's a card show. Here's the cards. Here's the money. Um, I had to tell the same story to two or three different people. Um, but it was, it was easy. It took maybe an extra five minutes at most, yeah. um, but they, they understood. And I mean, you've, you've got the cash and you've got the cards right there. So it's um, as long, as long as you're up front with them, cause I, I opened the conversation by saying, Hey, I've got a lot of cash in my bag as well as some valuable items do you mind if i request a private screening and they're like sure that's fine um so that is regardless of of how much money you have or how comfortable you are if you don't want to do these things if you don't want somebody rifling through your bag in public you can request a a private screening from a a gate agent and they're happy to do that um cash the cash amount in general or how to transport the cash i guess so you can there's a couple different things. You can either take as much cash as you want to on the plane and take that on the flight, on the train, in the Uber, whatever your your transit plan might be, and take that to the show with you and you're all set. Um, or you can budget for additional time to try and get that cash on site um, in Atlanta. Exactly, in Atlantic City. Um, so I looked at I looked at the AC Google Maps real quick. I saw a Wells Fargo branch. Um, I didn't see a Bank of America branch. I didn't see a Chase branch, but I would expect to see, I would expect Chase to have a branch in, in AC. Um, but the, the whole point of that is if you want to take out any sizable amount of cash, uh, sizable in this case being probably, we'll call it 10K or more, um, you're going to need to call that local branch and let them know ahead of time, yeah. you need to schedule an appointment to get this cash because branches aren't going to have that most branches are not going to have that type of cash um, yeah. on demand, walk in the door, take it out. Um, so they, they need some notice ahead of time to be able to do that. And not only do you need to give them notice, but again, to go back to our time management section, you need to be sure that you're budgeting that extra. I mean, I typically budget an hour for 30, the whole process yeah, 30, to, get, yep, to get to the bank, to get, you know, talk to the agent or the, the, the branch clerk say, Hey, I'm the one that called about getting this cash to get the cash counted out to have them sign off to show that you're know your id or whatever they need and then to come back that that takes time and that's time that you will not be at the show yeah um, so just make sure that not only from planning to get the cash but also how much time that's going to take just make sure that you're you're uh you're taking that into account um and then you're going to be responsible for all the cash that's on you just like everything else that you're carrying around so whether that means that you would be safe with like a luggage lock on your on your actual like roller bag or your book bag or whatever um you need to you need to secure that cash as as comfortably as you can so um it's it's not like it's not like 
funny money PayPal or electronic money um, that we're all used to just tapping our phone on a reader or something like that or sending PayPal. Exactly. It, it ain't exactly. coming back. It, it ain't coming back if you lose it or it gets it's not, from It's not coming back. And I guess another thing that I'll point out um, from a non-cash perspective is that you know, for me, I always accept goods and services, PayPal. I'm so, I don't care what the amount, I'm so freaked out about PayPal, just randomly shutting my account down for a, a yep. friend's payment. Yep. Um, but, you know, I've had a PayPal account for over 20 years, but my dumb butt never realized that PayPal has functionality for you to take goods and services in person. It's, they basically, you they assign you, a, a, you know what a QR code is down in Louisiana? Y'all have those? No, no, never heard of that. Uh-huh. So the funny thing is, I don't know if you're serious or not, but a QR, <laughs> a QR, a QR code, for those who don't know, is the little, it's the little square that's got a bunch of black and white dots that you can scan. Um, but PayPal assigns each individual user their own QR code. So you can accept goods and services payments in, uh, in person. And it's actually at a reduced fee as well. I think it's 1.9% instead of 2.9%. Oh, nice. um, and if you use that little QR code, if your buyer just scans that QR code and then they send you the money off that, that tells PayPal that there's there's no shipping requirement in order for this transaction to be Got it. Um, to be vetted to be to yeah. be appropriate. Yep. This but the fact that your other party, the buyer, can scan that code in person and then send you the money it, uh, informs PayPal that okay, we're good here. There's nothing to ship. There's no tracking number that's needed. Ah, there's no nice. delivery confirmation. So yeah, I, I don't know how my idiot self just learned this. Um, but that's another good way for if, if you don't want to accept, or if you don't want to carry around a bunch of cash, just you can yeah. present that option to, to dealers. And it, it might take a little bit of a walkthrough to get them there. Um, but it, it is a great option if you don't want to carry as much cash around, just know that dealers will probably want you to cover the fee. Since Josh, what about you? I know, I know you are a huge proponent of fanny packs. You wear a fanny pack to work into the courtroom. Okay. Um, I'm assuming you're wearing a fanny pack, uh, preferably front facing, um, um, or or maybe even across, like uh, like Chewbacca used to wear in Star Wars. Uh, how much cash are you bring, and 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 what pocket are you going to keep it in for the thousand uh, of people watching? Right. So I mean, I um, I I bring you know good amount of cash because we're going to buy at the show um but in the past few years i've been done a lot of like electronic payments like what justin was saying sure so, like the amount of cash to bring like when it's in chicago i'll bring more than if i'm going to if i'm going to cleveland or baltimore uh, like in baltimore in 2012 we brought a, a good amount and we run yeah. a buying lot and it was they, they did stop us at tsa and ask what the money was for yeah i showed I them you want to make sure you're not in a situation where somebody comes to your table with a deal that you can't pass up and they're trying to sell and you don't right. have enough cash on hand. You don't want to miss out on a deal because you don't have enough cash on hand. So I guess it's just a risk reward type deal. Right. Um, exactly. Okay. We've touched on it. All right. So we're good on cash. Uh, bring as much as you're comfortable with. Bring as much as you, um, you know, again, I, I don't think any of the three of us need to give people financial advice, but obviously uh, bring, establish a decent reasonable budget don't bring money that you can't afford to spend and that goes for ebay and every other platform in the world the national's no different i wouldn't bring an uncomfortable amount of money that you really just can't afford to spend um and keep an eye on your financial liquidity yeah um, and it it goes back to the resource point though that we've talked about too is that like if you if you bring i don't care if you bring a thousand bucks a hundred bucks a hundred thousand dollars or whatever um if, if you spend that money early on and it's it's gone like you got to figure out a way to get more money 
Um, and yeah. you know, ATMs are going to have limits. ATMs are going to have fees. Banks are only going to have a certain amount of cash on hand at any given time. So it, it's just important to spend a little time um, before you get to the show to understand, okay, you know, maybe analyze that, that amount of cash that you think you need with the goals that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, you know, for, and those are going to be different for dealers versus attendees dealers. Like you, Brian, exactly like you just mentioned, you don't want to, you don't want to miss out on a deal. So you want to make sure that you have an amount of cash that's comfortable for the type of stuff that you buy to say, if the steel of the century walks up that you can, you can make it happen. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just, just, just make sure that you're thinking about this stuff along with everything else that we've talked about. Just take, spend a few minutes with it before the show. Cause if you're trying to figure this stuff out during the course of the show um, or after you've already started spending this cash, it's going to make things a lot more stressful for you. If you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Yeah. Prior preparations prevents piss poor performance. How many is that? <laughs> Five, six, something like that. Yes. Yes. So I was, uh, I like to listen to Luca Tiger Braun podcast. I like to listen to, to Andrew and the cage talk and they were bitching the other day because someone did a, national preparation video and they talked for like two hours and and all they said was make sure you bring a water bottle and a phone charger and so i don't want to get flamed by those guys or anybody else but i'm thinking to myself what is it that i must have in my backpack if there's a checklist of things we need to bring in our backpack specifically to be on site at the show obviously it would be nice to have a water bottle but i'm pretty sure they'll have water fountains and or beverages on site uh, a phone charger is is obviously a must-have. The one thing you don't want to uh, you know find yourself is stuck. Can't check car ladder. Can't check market movers. Can't check whatever your data pricing uh, tool of choice is because you don't have enough uh, juice in your phone, right? You don't have to ask your buddy and bug your buddy to be comping cards for you when you're trying to get a deal done. What else do we need to bring to the show? Obviously, you might have a little uh, a little box of cards that you have brought to the show to sell and or trade if you're an attendee. Uh, what else, guys? Is there anything else that I'm forgetting about that you want to keep in that backpack and make sure you have it all times just in case? Uh, well, I'll, I'll start off just real quick by saying I uh, I opened a, a, another podcast that I was on with uh, an answer to that question of phone chargers. So I hope they're I hope they're not directly slash indirectly slamming. We just me. Need we, more. Talk, we talked about a lot more stuff. It wasn't an hour about gd phone chargers or anything like that uh but oh, i feel like shots fired but i'm also very insecure so anyway um i think so here's here's one thing and i i will shout out card collector to ryan um i know no free ads but you know credit where credit is due i first heard this from him um card supplies so card supplies is one of those things that you might not think about because you're like i'm i'm at a show i can just if i need some top loaders or clamshell cases uh, one touches, two rows, four rows, whatever it might be. I can just buy that stuff. It's like a local show. It's easy. Um, again, not to, I'm going back to the booths. I don't want to have this fight again, even though I still have my booth diagram page from the first episode. Um, 650 booths. I think there's going to be maybe two or three guys selling actual supplies. Yeah. So if you need top loaders from going through like box diving or like you, you bought a card that had just been in some uh, one touch that, that looks like it was in a knife fight and you want a nice clean one, it's going to be super tough to find those guys um, among all the other, the other dealers set up. And it's also going to be more expensive. Yeah. Um, so it's really, really useful and helpful to bring or buy ahead of time and then throw in your book bag you know, uh, just a just a box of 50 top loaders or something like that, or a bag of penny sleeves for regular cards and 
and thick cards if you're if you're going through dollar and or ten dollar boxes or whatever. Um, some extra one because if you find something you want and it's it's just like I said in some twenty year old mag or screw down or something like that, and you just you, know, you want to make the transfer. Anything that um, that you can fit in that bag that would require you or that would be easy to get at your local show or at your LCS is not going to be easy to get at the national. Yeah. And again, it's if you forget this stuff and you want to buy it at the show, it's going to take you time to find where these boots are again. Because I cannot stress this enough. There are two or three out, boots out of 650 is less than 1% of your boots are going to be selling supplies. That's not easy to find. Um, so if you're spending 10, 15 minutes wandering around with your head cut off trying to find a, a guy who can sell you a couple one-touches um, at overpriced one-touches, I should say, I mean... Yeah. We won't get into whether or not if you can't afford one touches at a show, but um, it, it's going to take you about 20 to 30 minutes out of your show just to find something that you could have slid in your backpack super easy before yeah. the show. So, um, whatever your purpose is for going and buying stuff, if you're buying higher end cards, grab some extra one touches, throw them in. If you're going through boxes, grab you know some extra penny sleeves, uh, top loaders. Some of those clamshell cases are good that hold like 50, 100 cards. If you're going just picking up raw cards, whatever you Whatever you need, um, those extra supplies will save you a lot of time and headaches uh, once you're on the show floor trying to do whatever it is that you need to do. Josh, what do you got? Name, uh, name something else we haven't talked about. A pen and a notepad just to yeah. keep track of which booths and had which cards you were looking for. That's yep. always helpful to write or stuff notes in your, Or you can use notes in your phone, you know. Um, but, but definitely, like, you know, Again, remembering where everything is when there's 650 booths, which is however many tables, is going to be very difficult. So putting some in your phone when you pass by something, maybe now is not the time, but hey, you want to come back to that dealer. Maybe the price wasn't right you know, on Wednesday night. Price might be right Saturday morning. Make a note of it. Leave a reminder in your phone to pop up and say booth number whatever, you know, 211 you know, PMG, you know, green Latrell Sprewell, you know, let's see if he can negotiate the price. Here's the number we left off on. Let's go back and revisit it. That's a great idea. Pen and notepad or notes in your phone, or just even put a calendar reminder in your phone. What else, what else practically speaking, should we keep in that book pack? Do, do more people wear backpacks, Josh, or do more people use like rolling luggage? I think it's 50, 50. I mean, I prefer the backpack because the rolling luggage just takes up so much space and you're yeah. rolling behind people and knocking into people. The backpack you just throw on. Agreed. To. Plus, well, uh, you know, you not not necessarily you, but me. I have street cred, and um, it's just not, it's just not me. You know what I mean? Fanny packs are you. Backpacks are me. You know what I mean? Sure. It'll Justin. probably be a Louis, it'll probably be a Louis Vuitton backpack. Did you know he is from Baton Rouge, Louisiana? Louis Vuitton? No, he's not. So. Uh, all right. I thought it was Lewis Button. That that guy is definitely from South Louisiana. Lewis yeah, Button. Yes. I, well, I would say one other thing, too, and I, I, I might have mentioned this in passing on the uh, uh, in our, our part one, but it's definitely worth reiterating. Like, if you if you've got thousands of cards, it's not going to be practical. But if, if you're coming with like 25, 50, 100 cards, like print out an inventory list of the stuff you're bringing, um, you know, and just a, a list of the cards. Exactly. A list of the cards, like maybe your cost basis of what you paid for them, like the lowest you're willing to take, your asking price. Um, and not only can you reference that if, if somebody starts asking you about values and you don't have price tags, but um, it's a really good sanity and spot check after you get done wrapping up talks with uh, with the dealer. Um, and maybe you've got 10, 15, 20 cards on the table that y'all were looking at and you start to pack up and you're like, 
you know, oh, oh shit, is one of these cards or a couple of these cards. I just want to make sure that they're in there. So you can just go through your dealer list and give a quick spot check. You don't yeah. have to be like ticking and tying numbers and cards every single time. Um, but it's I, I've definitely done this multiple times where I, I've just had the list in my back pocket or my book bag, um, pulled it out to take a quick a quick scan. Yep, yep, yep. This looks right. Okay, good. We're we're moving yeah. on because there there's no worse feeling than either leaving a card behind or thinking that you've left a card behind. Comp, so it, and comp these cards a day or two before the national. We know that this market is volatile. Usually it's volatile in the wrong direction lately. But comp the cards one or two days ahead of time. That way you've got it. And it's almost like you've got your your gun loaded, right? You've got your ammunition. So when you do negotiate with a dealer um, or vice versa, I know the dealers are doing that. I mean, the dealers are going to know what these cards are worth, you know, the day, the day or two days before they show up the show. So why wouldn't the attendee when I've only got maybe 10, 12, 15 cards to comp, right? Um, so, so comp your trade bait relatively uh, soon in proximity to the time of the show. What um what is the what is the card holder of choice? Like I'm thinking, walking around with a backpack, it's not going to be perfect. I don't want to damage these cards. The cards that I'm bringing are probably in slabs, but a lot of attendees will be bringing cards to trade or sell that maybe in you know, like you said, one touches mags or uh, maybe penny sleeves and top loaders with some painters tape. What is the kind of uh, case du jour? It, it's almost, I guess, it depends on the size of your backpack. I don't feel like a, one of the, what do they call them, Pelican cases, Zion cases? What are those big, you know, the, the big cases that people keep slab yeah. cards in? Those big ones, probably too big to fit in a backpack. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, is that what you see most people come to your table and open up? So I um, I am very much behind the, behind the times on the cases. Um, yeah. I still am using two row boxes that I purchased 12 years ago uh, for carrying around my stuff. Um, I just you carry, carry it like a football I carry a Nike. Well, that's the thing. I put I can put two two rows in my Nike gym bag that was thirty dollars, and I just walk around with that. Got it. Um, got it, got it. it does. It does. I mean, it does start to get heavy. As weird as that might sound, it's because it's probably I don't know 15, 20 pounds. But if you're walking around with that for five days straight and it's on your shoulder or in your hand, if you carried a baby stroller with a baby in it, it's the same thing, right? You got to pick a side. Yeah. And then you, you exactly. You got to keep rotating the sides and all that stuff. Everything um, starts to hurt on one side, right? I would I would say if you if you've got an um, uh, an inventory amount that's that's bigger than a book bag, um, I do think it's much easier to go with a, a small roller bag um, that can be pushed in front of you and not drag behind you like Josh said because nothing's gonna piss you off more and the other people around you more than like them kicking the case when like somebody's trying to walk by you if it's behind you and you just can't see where you're going. So just a a small I think a small wheeled roller bag that you can check. Um, that you can push in front of you. And that, I mean, that way you can keep your eye on things too. Um, sure. But that's, if, if you're coming with a, a good bit of stuff, that's the easiest way to kind of, kind of port it around the show, um, the show floor. And yeah. then it also allows you to like, I know some guys do this and I know they kind of have to given how much stuff they have, but I think people that put, put sports cards into check bags are complete psychopaths. Never. I would no never, way ever, ever, <laughs> never. never. Yeah. Check a bag that had sports that, cards in it. I, I my, right there. My, 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 my anxiety levels are high enough with God knows what yeah. else it is. Knowing right. that my check bag was supposedly underneath the plane filled with money in sports cards would, yeah. I, I just would not be able to do Never. it. So I would, no. my recommendation is get your stuff to a point where 
you can manage it all in a carry on bag. Yeah. Um, again, extenuating circumstances, comfort levels, whatever, they're all going to be different, but I, I cannot stress enough, please. Yeah. You can avoid it at all costs. Please do not check bags yeah. of sports carts in them. Uh, dealers, you guys are both dealers, right? So um, your experience at the national is going to be very different than mine. You've got a man, your table, you're, you're running a business. It's just a mobile business, right? How much floor time do you guys get? Each of you guys have guys that are working the exact same table that you have together. So will you guys get floor time? How much actual floor time to walk around will you guys get during the actual open hours of the show? Josh? Also, I'm, I'm bad about this. I usually have two or three people at my booth. Yep. And I usually, I walk around a lot. I probably should yeah. stay there, but. And you give those guys full autonomy to make deals. I mean, I know you probably, you, you guys both sticker your cards, I'm assuming to some extent. Yeah, well, that that's probably, I save that for later, but put prices on every single card. Every single card. Because oh, no. See, I, I've, I've, I'm starting to revert back to not pricing. Oh, disagreement. We no, have disagreement. No. I'm, I'm reverting back to no sticker prices. I know it's, I know it's a bad habit, but I, I there's any a number, any number of reasons that we can get into. But I, I'm starting to, I'm starting to, to go back to team no prices and just, and just quote it. I, I, I understand the flaws, but I, yeah. We have different inventories too, though. Justin's, yes. Justin's a, a much bigger hitter than I am. So, uh. I examples. Stop. I forgot to uh, list a price for a sealed box last time, and I walked yeah. away to do I don't know what last year, and the price was forty five dollars when it was first paid for in nineteen ninety nine. So my buddy, my buddy <laughs> so was there twenty seven thousand dollars now. It was like a ninety nine <laughs> molten metal baseball box. It's probably two fifty, and he sold it for forty five bucks. And Oof. My fault because I yeah. should have listed it. There's deals to be had. There's deals to be had at the national. Find dealers, find dealers who have left their table vacant. That's probably the best way to get a deal. Maybe you can get it at 1991 I prices. I know. Well, and I think my main thing is that just with the the rise of so, uh, social media content and all that, videotaping and pictures and all that stuff, I really don't want photo documentation of my stuff with prices on it. Um, I, it's just kind of a personal preference again it's it, it is what it is if you ask me how much it costs or what the what the asking price is like i'm, I'm gonna tell you i'm not gonna be like oh really sure. <laughs> um well <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I, I don't really want to sell it but all this offers that <laughs> will happen and oh, it'll drive yeah. you nuts yeah, you will literally, you yeah you will 100 there will be dealers out there that you will ask them a price on a card and they will come back with like i'm taking offers on it yeah. It's like, all right, well, what's your what's your starting point? You don't go to a damn use or uh, car lot and be like, yeah, I want that. Uh, I want that Tahoe over there. You know, what are you asking on it? Oh, we're open offers. Yeah, just let us There's know what stick. you think is fair. Here's yeah. one thing. This is not on our outline, but this goes without saying, and I know you guys are going to agree with me. Um, you should always like. I'm a I'm a content creator. Uh, I guess Josh is 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 also now technically a content creator as well. Justin, you're on all the time. I think it goes without saying, just as a matter of uh, respect uh, for others' privacy, you should, if you're walking around with a camera and you're filming and you're doing video, before you film somebody's, a dealer's display case, or you film a transaction that's going down, please at least get the consent of the dealer and or both parties that are a part of that transaction. I mean, everybody loves to see these big deals that go down and how they get from A to B and they get to the finish line and they like to see monster cards going back and forth. And hell, sometimes there's going to be 
there's going to be tables just in your table where people are going to want to just say, look, can I just do a quick panorama of your table? Because there's some badass stuff in here. Yeah. Please ask the dealer before you just start videotaping their stuff. I mean, that happened to me in Baton Rouge. And again, I don't, I don't have anything to hide. I didn't have any of my big stuff there, but I, I really would. I really felt like just as a matter of respect, the person that was filming should have at least asked me before they could you know, film my table. Are you guys on board with that for sure? Yeah, I hate being filmed, especially when there's large amounts of cash being uh, traded back and forth. Um, mm -hmm. I don't you just like say that. no. I mean, I said no. Yeah, no. Well, if there, yeah, so it's a, it's a couple. That's a good point because there's a couple a couple different factors in that. Like if it's just to if it's just to take pictures of cases or film cases right. or whatever, go for it. Yeah, I'm cool with that. But to, Brian, to your point, everyone everyone is going to have exactly everyone is going to have different. Um, tolerances for being on camera being filmed yeah. so just just ask i would say that the vast majority of dealers or attendees are gonna be like yeah of course that's fine you might get some that they're like I, i'd rather not and all right cool that happens it's it's better you ask now instead of you start filming and some dude just pops off at the mouth um and, yeah. and start screaming at you for doing it um i'm right there with josh though it's like if, if i'm in the if i'm in the middle of a deal with somebody um and we've got you know cards out or, or cash out or, or whatever um that's between me and the buyer. Uh, you know, if, if you want to talk to one of us about what the deal was after after we're done. Um, you totally know, that, different. That, yeah. that's, a, that's a different situation. But while we're talking in negotiation, again, I know some other people do it, but like, I'm, I'm that's not me. Um, can, so just, I, 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 I really I really would not that that's one that would get a response from me of like, hey, man, can you not do this? Look, I think human nature would dictate that it may even alter the outcome of negotiations. I mean, people behave yes. differently when they're on camera. Yep. You know, uh, somebody who might have been super willing to bend and be flexible might not want to look like a bitch on yeah. social media for giving in <laughs> and making it too easy. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. serious. Like, yeah, no, no, you're right. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, you're absolutely right. We've, we've, we've already seen how how that can how that can exactly play out with a couple film deals about a year a year or so ago um but yeah it's just it's just not it, I, that's I, I just don't think that that's respectful to either the buyer or the seller to just be um to just like jam a, a camera over a booth yeah, I don't, when I don't think they're so. still engaged in talks and there's money and cards or, or whatever whatever else out so for for the for pretty much everything else i'm i'm cool with it just ask me um and ask as many people as you can uh yeah. but for that one for that one particular scenario, that would be a, please, please don't do that for me. Next topic. And we, uh, you know, this will probably be something that'll be promulgated by each individual grading company as we get closer to the national date. Uh, but I'm assuming PSA, BGS, SGC will all have on-site grading there. I stop after three because that's just kind of where I am. I guess CSG yeah. would be four or whatever, but uh, they'll have on-site grading options. Will the, Tell me uh, what you guys know about, we're not going to get into pricing and all that stuff. Everybody can digest that on their own, but like what's a reasonable expectation of how long you're going to stand in line to hand them your card. And then what's a reasonable expectation for turnaround time to get that card back. Um, and then is there any particular time during the day that would be better than another to drop a card off? I'm assuming super ASAP first thing in the morning would be the best time to drop a card off. Josh morning, early morning. I mean, that's before anyone gets there because you're going to be waiting an, an hour or more in line once the show starts. Really? Okay. Hard off. Yeah. And if you do it maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, you'll get it back Friday, Saturday. Okay. Um, 
They, so days. So they're going to have your card overnight. See, I don't know. I'm asking. I didn't know if it was oh, yeah. like two hours or. Uh, it's going to be hard for two hours just because of the, the sheer volume. Uh, I remember in 2019, though, I was getting the same day slabs done. Like I remember I went in the morning on Wednesday and I got it back. I got it back at close of the show on Wednesday. Okay. Uh, last year, I don't, I didn't submit anything just because the line was so long. I didn't want to waste time. Yeah. Either I could have been at the booth or I could have been walking the show, more likely walking the show. But uh, you just, it's just a, it's a huge time suck. And like Justin said, you got to manage your time. That's a huge black hole of time just to wait in yeah. line. The, um, and I guess when you, you know, let's say you do stand in line, when you get up to the PSA representative and you say, here's my card, they're going to give you some idea what the turnaround is. But, but to, to your point, if you're one of these people, like I'm going, you know, I'm going to get there Wednesday night uh, or when, you know, I'll get there Wednesday, go to the show Wednesday with you. But like, if I want a card back, let's say I was flying out Friday, I need to drop that card off ASAP early in the show. I can't be dropping the card off, you know, Friday morning. If I'm flying out Friday night, I might not get yeah. my card back. It might be in limbo and who knows how the hell I'm going to get it back at that point. I guess you could drop right. it off and they'd mail it back or whatever for an extra fee. But if you right. want your card back in hand to do something with that exact card at the show sooner rather than later, I would think on getting your cards graded by PSA, BGS or SGC or whoever else is there. Sure. Yeah. And I think this is so, so gradings, it's its own beast. Um, and this might just be a few minutes of data dump, but um, so I, I, I Speaking on BGS and PSA experience, I don't I don't know about SGC. Um, PSA has never offered a raw card review service similar to to what Beckett does. Um, they have right. not they have not announced any of those options for the national this year. It's not to say that they won't, um, but I, I doubt that they will. Um, so your your PSA submission is similar to what it might be with your uh, with your rep. And that you can pay, you have to pay the different service levels, and you can you can also pay for expedited review, and they will get it back to you reviewed and slapped um, mm -hmm. on site if you're if you're willing to to pony up the cash. Um, big cards, big threshold yeah. cards, yes, yeah, Not yeah, paid. big time. Um, but the, so the reason that a lot of people go to the nationals specifically for uh, Beckett grade raw card review grading with Beckett. So this is one of the few that Beckett used to do it a lot more at shows. They've definitely scaled it back since um, since we've started rolling out of COVID. Um, but raw card review gives you the opportunity for 20 to 30 bucks a card to have BGS look at it and say, you know, this is this is whatever they think it is, a, a nine gem, whatever. And guys in, in the past years would submit hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of cards to BGS and just crap cards but again something that might be worth 100 bucks raw and could go to 500 dollars as a gym they're going to use this opportunity to get this stuff back as quickly as possible for relatively uh for a relatively small cash outlay to say okay yeah you know let's get these slabbed up these are whatever um you know what maz is um so in the past dealers and bulk submitters group submitters used to use Tuesday early dealer setup and Wednesday first thing afternoon to push through thousands and thousands and thousands of cards for raw card review. So immediately within the within the first twenty percent of the show, Beckett is already backed up to. They need to cap that. Seventy five percent of their. I, no, I'm I, right. Good, right, wrong, or indifferent. You know, yeah. BG within the, the first twenty percent of the show, they've they've already capped out at seventy five percent of their resource allocation for the week. It's ten cards max. That's what they need to do to kill yeah. all that. I mean, there's a time and a place for all that. Yeah, it would be it would be nice, but you know that 
they're making money hand over fist on it. So, you know, if, if you're if you're going in Friday and your expectation is that you can submit something for raw card review for 30 bucks and hope to have it back by the time you leave on Sunday, you might need to recalibrate those expectations because in years past, BGS has shut off just their entry level cheapest raw card review option by no latest than what, Josh, like Friday afternoon, Thursday yeah. afternoon. Friday, I'll um, say. Yeah, yeah they, they, still they still have expedited options for like a hundred bucks and you can get it back by the end of the day or 200 bucks to get it back within an hour. Um, but yeah, if you're, if one of your goals is, is grading spe specifically for raw card review, um, just know that if you want it done at the cheapest service level and you want it back by the end of the show, you're probably going to need to have that in by conservatively no later than Thursday afternoon at the very, very latest. Do you guys know, will I be able to bring a BGS card and cross it to PSA? Will they do cross? Well, I don't know. I don't know. They have in the, they have in the past. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure if they, if they will at the show. I mean, I don't see, have they, well, have they opened crossovers back up? In general, they still have not. I don't know. I don't either. I know they. I know they canceled the the crossover slab. For, for a they while. did for a while. They shut it down yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah. There, was a, there was a moratorium on that. Um, yeah, but but basically, the, the whole point of that little diatribe was just understanding that yes, Beckett will offer this raw card review service, and it can be very very valuable, um, especially on like the higher end cards. You know, I've I've definitely done this where I had a raw card and. Um, it was a higher end deal. And, and basically the guy was like, I just, I just want to know if it's X condition or not. I was like, all right, that's fine. I'll go over to, I'll go over to Beckett and put it RCR, in at, the, at, bring the, it back. at the hour long RCR service and whatever happens happens. Yeah. Um, but so, so there are these different service options available to you, but if you want the cheapest option uh, expecting to get cards back by the end of the show, you're going to need to make sure that you're there as early as possible. To in a nutshell, get get your graded. If always, you want cards yeah. graded, get them there sooner rather than get them there as soon as you can. Yep. Caution, be too yep. early. Yep. Um, uh, again, this is probably going to be a yes or no answer for you, Justin, since you have an accounting background. Uh, I know you're you're probably more hobbyist than accountant now, but you never lose, right? You never lose your accounting uh, instincts. So write I'm everything told. down. Every dollar you spend, write it down. Yeah. Right. As a tax deduction, um, keep tabs, keep it in a spreadsheet, and that goes with not just your trip to the national. That goes with every card show you ever go to, all the gas mileage, all the airfare, all the snacks you buy in the airport, um, all the cards you buy, all the supplies that you purchase. Um, um, you know, fanny pack repair costs for Josh. Uh, all of those. Uh, all of those are deductible items that. Um, if you have a good year, you're going to be glad that you've got all that stuff itemized at the end of the year when the time comes to pay uh, Joe F. Biden, right? Yeah, this uh, this this should not be construed construed as tax advice in any way, not. shape, or form. And there's my there's my disclaimer. Um, but the, I would say that the main thing to keep in mind from a a sports card perspective at large, just in, or in general, is that we're all going to be getting 1099s from PayPal this year. Um, and a 1099 is basically a form that says uh you received x amount of money for a service you provided or payments that you received um not getting too deep in the weeds here but basically we're all going to get paypals from or 1099s from paypal uh if you took in over 600 dollars, so you are going to have a documented record with one of those forms going to you one of those forms going to the tax man that says this person got this much money from PayPal. So you need to remain diligent in your rep record keeping. So with, when the time comes at the end of the year, 
if you got a thousand dollar form from PayPal because you received a thousand dollars during the course of the year, but you know you took a, a loss on those cards or you bought those cards for eight hundred dollars, you know, yeah, you a thousand, yeah, a thousand dollars is not is not actually what you should potentially be taxed on. Do you know what astonishes me? And I'm sure that you deal with this crap more than me is when I'm looking at a Facebook message board or IG or something like that. And there are grown men and women out there who do not understand the distinction between revenue and profit. They, they don't understand the difference between those two terms. And it's baffling to me. Um, I just don't understand how an adult cannot understand the difference between those two terms. Um, so, I mean, there, I there's, there's going to be a lot of a lot of people that come January of next year, 2023, when they get that that form from PayPal in the yeah. mail, they're going to be like, what do I do? What the hell is there? Well, there's going to be a couple different. Yeah, a couple different paths. They're going to see Some it. People and are going to throw it in the trash. They're going to file it. Exactly. File yeah. it in the uh, IDGAF trash bin. Um, the other ones are going to look at it and be like, oh, my God, what do I do? I have twenty five thousand dollars in ten ninety nine. Yeah. which they think that they're going to be taxed on the whole $25,000, right. which again, that's not how it's supposed to work. It could be a loss. I mean, it, it might yeah. be a loss when we get it next, next January. For it, some that's, that's exactly right. It could very well be a loss. Um, but the main thing is keep track of your records records yeah. and uh, consult your local CPAs for tax advice. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about dealer etiquette. Let's talk about the interaction between people that are attending the show and dealers such as you guys. I'm an attendee, you guys are dealers. Um, you know, I think it goes without saying, you know, uh, the golden rule, just treat others how you would like to be treated. But if we wanted to hyper-focus and talk a little bit more about specific little peccadilloes that people do that just irritate you guys and that piss off other dealers. Um, I, I know there's gonna be a, a nice little list that we have here. First one on the list is be careful. Like most people have pretty similar types of glass display cases. Please, as an attendee, be very careful leaning on that. Or if you've got kids leaning on those things or putting their Pelican cases weigh 20 pounds on that glass. I know you've seen some of these break, Josh and Justin, uh, but just out of a respect, you don't want to scratch it up. I mean, you know, the quality of your display cases is no different than the slab that your very high end cards are in. You don't want those things scratched up because it affects the aesthetics of the content within those display cases. So don't yeah. put your stuff, for lack of a better word, on top of the dealer's display cases. If you absolutely must put it down somewhere, at least, you know, put it next to you on the ground. Or if you absolutely have to and you've got the dealer's consent, put your case near the edge or the hinge where it's not going to crack that glass. Is that fair? Is there anything that you guys want to add to that about people putting their crap on your table? Yeah, no, I just cracked my head against this back wall. It looks like y'all are holding me hostage for this uh, second half of the podcast. Um, yeah, just again, it just goes back to, to asking. It's like, just ask the dealer, do you mind if I put my case or if I put my case up here? Because dealer, of course, dealers are going to want to look through your stuff. And it's it's not like you have to like set it on the ground and take slabs out one by one or whatever. Dealers don't have an issue looking through cases. But Brian, to your point, just just make sure that you're mindful of where you're putting it on the case and try and try and balance it or just center the the weight just kind of on the uh yeah. where the where the two edges of, of display cases will meet and that way again it's it's, it, it's very likely that those things likely don't break under the weight if you put the whole thing on the glass but if you set it down hard like i've, I've definitely seen them shatter before and it's it's not a pretty sight so yeah just main thing yeah. ask the dealer if it's cool if they put if you put it on there 
pretty much all of them are going to say yes, and then set it just like set it on the the two edges. Don't set and it then, directly on the glass. And then definitely don't put your crap on one dealer's table while you're making a deal oh, with God, the other no. dealer. That ain't cool. That's not cool at all. Are you drinking Lacroix, by the way? Uh, yeah, it's French for water. I'm about to mute you. <laughs> that is oh, not yeah. good enough. You can do better. You can do better. Oh Lord, have mercy. We'll dig into this later. <laughs> We need to get Josh an energy drink. Look at him down there. Yeah, he is. I mean, you are relaxed. Wow. Yeah. I'm nice. I've been up since six, played basketball already. Really? Who'd you play against? Uh, an eight-year-old who almost beat me. Oh, so you can't – if you can't beat him in 2K and you can't beat him in real basketball, you might have a grown man strength. Look, here's what you do. Just like Magic did in his later years in his career – just turn around backwards and just back him all the way to wherever right. you got to get. And then little baby hook, right? Little Kevin Willis, little Kevin Willis baby hooks. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So that's one thing. Here's another one. If you're working a deal with a dealer, okay. Um, well, let's say this. If you see a dealer and another attendee working a deal and then something catches your, your eye and you're like, oh, shit, I want to get it right in the middle of that. I kind of want to kill this deal and do it for myself. Resist that temptation. That's crap. That's crappy yeah. etiquette. That's poor etiquette. It's no different. In fact, it's even more, um, I would say, frowned upon and worse etiquette than when people do that in Facebook comments where yeah. somebody will, you know, be negotiating for a card and somebody else will swoop in and say, you know, I'll buy it for this much less or crap like that. Don't do it. If you don't do it on Facebook, sure as hell don't do it in person. That's rude. Let these people conduct their business. If they consummate a transaction, then you lose. If they don't, grab the guy, pull him to the side, go to our, you know, super sleazy VIP room and get your deal done, you know, um, or over to the benches on the side and then and then pull those deals away from the dealer's tables. Also, two attendees making a deal in this kind of fashion, don't do it on the dealer's table. The yeah. dealer's table is there for him to sell his merchandise yeah. and negotiate with other people. Make space for the next attendee to come up and, you know, I feel weird saying attendee. Is there another word? I don't know. I can't. I, I'm the same way. I can't come up with one either. It's, it's yeah. really, it's really we'll weird. But, okay. So but, yeah, uh, don't yeah, kill the dealers. The yeah. dealers, you know, uh, square footage there, right? He's only got so much to work with. It's ten by ten or ten by fifteen. You've only got so much to work with. If you take up five feet of it negotiating a deal with some other attendee, that's just not cool either. So kind of keep an eye out for that as well. Yeah, that's 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 my biggest one. Um, and it's my biggest one because way, way back when, when I first started going back to shows before I started setting up at, at the national or anything, um, I I effed up in this area like a couple guy, a dealer and a customer, a customer, a customer. How did we attendee not attendee customer, a dealer and a customer um, were working on something. They were making multiple piles of different cards. I thought one of these piles they, they had just like set aside. Um, and, and they were done with basically. So like I could, I could, it was my turn. And I asked the, the customer, I was like, Hey man, do you mind if I take a look at those? And it's, it's bad form, but for all of the reasons you just outlined, it's, it's possible that things get pulled back into deals. It's possible that the pile, excuse me, the pile that you think is done is still in play. Um, so just, just let the dealer and the customer wrap up whatever it is that they're doing when, when they either shakes hands and say, thank you. Or like guys are packing stuff up and walking away. That's when you can kind of hop back in and say, Hey man, I liked a few of your things. Do you mind if we try and work something out over, um, you know, somewhere else or something like that? But yeah, just, just, it's not like Facebook. It's not like the internet, like you said, where you can just hop in and, and just 
blindly try and scoop deal or scoop deals or be like right. somebody had somebody had something posted for a thousand bucks and it, it was obviously too cheap and somebody comments like i'll give you 1200 for it it's like don't don't do stuff like that yeah. um don't try and scoop yeah. sales or, or undercut guys or, or whatever yeah. the case it's even more egregious in person i yeah. just, just don't do it if it's not right on social media it's certainly not gonna be right in person look yeah. what i have guys i'm gonna share my screen with you we should have talked about this a long time oh, ago. So here's the layout here's the layout and by the way, look what I've located over here. See, can y'all see my uh, cursor over here? See it moving? Is that yeah. 20, 28.45? Oh, nice. Yeah, that's where we're going to be. Uh, so it looks like corporate boost right here in the middle. Tell me where the train station is. It's like, where's the uh, entrance? I don't know. I don't know anything about anything. Main entrance, I think it's here. Train station is like right here, I think. Well, I, can't I, think see the, I think the train station is that bottom left corner where you see that red. It's It's on that. It's it's towards that area. Yes. This area right here. Okay. Uh, no, the the very very but yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I, I'm ninety percent sure it's that side. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, case bake case break pavilion powered by whatnot. That's cool. Sounds like there'll be breakers over there. So are they not interspersing breakers within these? Oh, I see what you're talking about, booths. Yeah. I see. I see what you mean now. Yeah. I'm starting. Brian's to a visual that. learner. Yeah, I'm a visual learner. This is color coded for me and everything. This is great. So, uh, you so can, case, case break pavilion powered by whatnot. That makes me think, you know, as an ignorant person, maybe they're breaking over in one totally separate section and those are not going to be intermittently located within the de the dealer booths. Does that sound thank, fair? Is that normal or is that new? It's normal. Thank goodness. Because they're loud yeah. and a lot of them have like bells. <laughs> I was going to say it would be a big distraction. Well, that will be an interesting place to bring my camera to get a little bit of national footage. And uh, that's something that I don't touch. I don't think either one of you guys break by any chance or participate in breaks even. Uh, I never have. It, it does. It, you know, it's got somewhat of an allure to me, just like ripping wax does. But when I remember what I could have bought with the money where I bought into a, you know, a would be break or when I buy wax, I feel like trash because I never pull anything. I've got the worst odds and worst luck in the world. Um, so breaking is kind of the same for me, but that's cool that they've got that off over to the side. And this is just a myriad of tables. And it looks like in the middle, you know, you've just got some of the big dogs, right? Steel city collectibles, golden blowout, Panini, Dave and Adams heritage, Pristine auctions, leaf trading cards, uh, upper deck, Beckett collectibles, fanatics, tops. I mean, that's like murderer's row, right? That's every big name brand. I didn't see card ladder, but they're probably somewhere in there. Um, so uh, that's that's. I didn't see Midwest Vintage in there. You're gonna have your. You're just gonna have a table. You're not gonna be one of those corporate sponsors, huh, Josh? Uh, no, not this year. Not this year. Not yet. Maybe 2040. Um, what else? Anything else about the layout? that stands out to you guys. I mean, it's, it's, you know, again, I can only jam so many tables on my screen here, but, uh, but it looks pretty cool. Um, so the, yeah. the main thing with the main thing with that map is that, um, you can go to the, uh, the NSCC show.com website and there is one of the tabs. I can't remember where it is, but one of the tabs will have a list of every single dealer at the show. There you go. Dealer list go up the top there. Dealer list. Oh. Holy go moly. So search for, do uh, you know how to use Control F? You Look hit. who number two is. Hold on a second. Look who number two is. Bang bang. That, he's ranked second, the second best dealer at the show. <laughs> that's how it works. 
Hey, you're, that is why you're my co-host, the one and only. You are the number two. Oh wait, never mind. It's out. Yeah, no, you're wrong direction. Yeah, <laughs> it's by reverse importance. Yes, it's by. Right, so hold up, so hold up, hold up here. We're gonna do a little experiment. So what's his booth number? What is that? 19, 1904. So go back to the go back yeah. to the uh, the floor okay. map. Okay, floor plan. Yep. Okay. Now do hit Control F. CTRL. Now type 1904. Oh my lord, this is big time. This is stuff that I didn't know about. Now what? Enter. So does it does it highlight? I can't see in your tiny ass screen. Does it highlight oh. where his booth is? It's uh it's a, oh it says 101. So that means you can actually so zoom in a little bit. So this this is basically this allows you to find where people are going to be set up on the floor ahead of time. I don't know. I don't know. I can't hit enter. Like I got 1904. There's no like button to say go. It right, right, right. Me. But the fact that it says one of one means that like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm trying to get into computers with you. Um, but that <laughs> means that there is a search result so you can search for booth numbers ahead of time for the people you're looking for. Yeah, I'm trying. I just don't know how to hit enter. I mean, when I hit enter, nothing happens. <laughs> you, you don't have to hit enter. Well, it's not highlighting anything. And if it is, it's so small, it would never help anybody. Oh, Jesus H. Well, I tried. But anyway, this is how you can this is how you can look up uh, your buddy's booths and see where they are on the showroom floor. I promise it works. Contrary to yeah. what our what our fearless leader currently thinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, well, that's cool. So your booth 1904. Justin, what booth? just so people know so they can come visit you guys. Uh, Justin, uh, Josh, your booth 1904. And Justin, what are you? So I'm, I'm 2845 type 2820 uh, 2845 in that little bar. 2845. Yeah. And then start to zoom in on that top left corner of like all the all the booths. See how you're already using booths too, even though you yelled at me earlier? I'm just trying to be nice to you. Scroll down a little bit. Me. Scroll down a little bit. <laughs> Keep zooming in. Oh, there it is. See? All right. So you see oh, how it's highlight. highlighted? Yeah. There you go. So I'm at 300%, by the way. So you've really got to get nasty. I mean, I. You can't see the highlight when it's on 100%. So you got to get really, uh, really up in. in depth. Or you need a you need a Chris Hoge 90 uh, 90 inch screen to be able to to get this to work. That's right. If you That's to. exactly right. Okay, and there's the autograph area. So you're yeah. sort of close to the autograph area. Cool. Okay. Yeah, and the cheap seats. Yep. Um, but again, this is a, it's a, a quick and easy way to find out like where your buddies or guys that you wanna you wanna hit up their tables where they're gonna be on the floor. Yeah, and you can kind sure. of map you can kind of map that out ahead of time. Yeah, if you want to put a game plan together and make yep. sure that you know you've got your first day maybe mapped out or something like that, and you put together like a, an itinerary based on time, how much time you want to spend and what you want to hit, put that game plan together. Uh, there's plenty of time. So I'm seeing on here we talked about this. If that doesn't mean you know, I see 3,052, that does not mean 3,052 tables. I wonder why they skip from number to number. Any ideas? I, I have no idea how the numbering system works. Oh, that's yeah, because I'm. Sorry. Go, Go ahead. ahead. I thought it's based on your priority when you pick. And I think that's, oh, oh, you mean the numbering on this? I don't know. Yeah. Don't like, why wouldn't it be one, two, three, four, five? Like, yeah, the booth numbers don't make, because like in Chicago, my booth number was 476. So it's just how they, yeah, how they organize all this Weird. stuff. I don't know. Strange. Okay. Well, that about wraps it up. What else? Anything else you guys want to talk about? We're at the 58 minute mark. Anything that we forgot? Anything you guys, um, you know, that that's top of mind, anything uh, would be first time attenders or just any attendees or dealers should know about any anything you guys have learned from your 30 years of, of doing this thing. Well, I think. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Go, Josh. Uh, I would say if you're going by a dealer and the, and you walk by and his head's down on his phone, doesn't even acknowledge you, keep walking. Next. Yeah. yeah, I mean, don't feel like you have to. If there's a card you really want, if he's not even giving you time of day, and it's not, and usually those guys, those cards aren't even priced. So keep walking. There's a ton of, there's a ton of, not Justin. Justin's very. Don't nice. be a Justin, is what you're saying. No, 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 no. Walk your cards, price your cards. Don't be a Justin. <laughs> no, but like, uh, say hi to everyone. They're coming by. You're yeah. set up to yeah. sell cards. I never understood that. Why dealers? I never understood like, that either. I never like, understood you. Hey, can I see that card? Are you gonna buy it? Like, well, you know, I mean, be nice. I, I get it. It's a job, and like, yeah. if they need this to make to make money that week, and it's there, they're not doing it for fun, and I get it. But you catch more flies with honey. Yeah, if you were going to sell anything other than cards, you would probably want to make eye contact to communicate with your would-be customer, right? So cards right. are no different. Just be a um, nice person. I don't know. It doesn't take much. It. So, well, and one of my one of my other dealer things as well was, um, and I think we we've kind of alluded to it as well, but just it, if you're a if you're a customer, I mean, it goes it obviously goes for dealers as well, whether or not you have price tags or no price tags. Um, sure. But just make sure that you understand values on your cards, and if there are cards that are truly personal collection or you don't want to move them at all. Like you're just bringing them to show off with buddies that you've met online or talked to and you're going to catch up and, and just shoot the breeze. Um, don't put them in the same box, segregate yeah. those cards from the cards that you're showing to dealers. Yeah. Because if you show a card to a dealer, a dealer is going to assume that that card is available. And at some point, pretty much uh, every card of yours will have an inquiry as to, you know, what the price is or how much you want for it or what value are you looking for? Um, if you're not looking to move it or sell it or trade it at all, just do not do not show it to a dealer. Yeah, because um, I, I can't. It's it's very. Don't muddy the waters for no reason. It's, it's a, yeah, it's an it's annoying. And again, yeah. it's de it's dealers and customers hanging out with our customers. But it's it's very annoying regardless of who you are when um, you're going through a, somebody's inventory and you're like, you know, how about this one? Uh, it's not for yeah. sale. OK, how about this one? I don't want to move it. It's like, all right, man, well. You know what? What? What are we? What? What's my population we're dealing with here? Because if I'm going to look through 50 cards and 10 are available, like why did we? Why did we just kind of go through this exercise? So, um, if you have stuff you really don't want to move that you're just there to to show off and tell stories or whatever, that's that's totally fine. That's a big part of this as well. Um, yeah. Just just do not include that in inventory that you show to other would be buyers, uh, buyers or traders. I think that that it's and it and it it helps you as well because you're not. Um, you're not tempted to move it, or if, if you get a, an offer that you can't refuse, but it's something you might regret that you, moving. Right, you, exactly. Yeah, yeah you, it's yeah. something that took you ten years to find, but you get a yeah. massive offer for it, and you sell it, and then you walk away, and you're like, Christ, I can't get that back, can I? Yeah. Um, that's that's not the type of type of regret that you wanna um, that you wanna walk away with from the <laughs> from the show. But I guess just bigger picture stuff. I mean, we all we all know that not only sports cards, but just kind of the yeah. the entire world is topsy turvy right now. One thing. One day we're up, the next day we're down. I mean, crypto's yeah. getting destroyed. Um, on those same lines, I've got a 48 leaf Bob Feller PSA 7 that normally I would bring it to the show, but it's something I'm going to keep in my collection. There's nobody that could pry it from me. So I'll just leave it here in Baton Rouge. It's just in my, like in a shoebox, like uh, somewhere. I can't even remember where I put it. It's somewhere up, upstairs, my kid's room or under their bed or something. So I think you keep it. Don't you, don't you keep it out in the sun? Like you've got a great corner display case in your office. It, it, it gets yeah. great sunlight every single day. Just shines right on it. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. It, it makes it look more vintage. You know, the more yellow yeah. it gets, the more vintage it looks. I, I don't know. I just feel like the eye feels better that way. So, but that's a card I would never share yeah. with you. People want vintage cards that look older than they actually are. They just don't know. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> yeah. If somebody just bought like three fourths of a Honus Wagner, I figure I could split this Bob Feller and make twice as much money. You know? Um, it seems know. easy. It seems easy. Uh, but yeah, just with everything kind of going ballistic right now, you know, one one day we're we're on the men, the next day we're down bad again. Um, I think it's it's gonna be a, a fascinating time to see because we're just we're just so so different now than we were 12 months ago with with the hobby um and i mean 2021 we said the exact same thing about 2020 except it was it was cards go up and now it's cards go down so um i think that i i think there's there's going to be a lot of very good buying opportunities if you're smart with your cash because yeah. it, as we've discussed ironically you can do more with cash now uh, or cash is no more important question. now than it was last year when everybody had cash. So no question. if if you can if you can be disciplined and patient, I think there's going to be some really good stuff that you might not have expected to be able to just find in general, let alone at a price that you're more than willing to pay. Yeah. Um, so just be mindful of that when you start kind of roaming around the the showroom floor and and you sure. start to see what folks have. And then, you know, I know we've talked about this and. Instagram group chats and on the side, but it's like, is the, is the dip going to be better or worse in four weeks than it is now? And I mean, I, worse. I no, I, I have no idea that gut, the gut says, I, I agree the gut for me, the, the gut says worse, but yeah. um, I mean, marginally worse. I mean, the issue is, is the dip going to be, are we going to hit the floor in three months, six months, one year, two years less? I don't, I have no idea. I'm not a macroeconomist by any stretch. I just kind of deal with it as it comes. But guys like you and me and Josh, you know, we're we're going to be here in 2029. We're going to be here mm -hmm. in 2035. And when when guys like us, buy, and I know y'all are both dealers, but when, you know, usually when we buy cards, you know, we don't want to buy cards that are going to go down. But when we buy cards, we're not concerned about what the cards can be worth in three months, you know, other than the fact that I wish I'd have waited. But we're not going to we're not looking to move that card in 90 days. Right. There was a large majority of the hobby that was playing that game. We don't play that. If I think that the if I believe in the hobby, and I believe in Michael Jordan and LeBron James and Steph Curry and uh, fill in the blanks, Mahomes and Brady and guys like that, if you believe in Gretzky and guys like that, then you should still be able to buy very, very confidently right now. I mean, I don't. I, I know it sounds like I'm blowing smoke and hooping rainbows, but in our Jordan group chat, I think we are all unanimous that this is a fantastic, fun buying time. Right for the kind of cards that we like, we never thought we were going to have this opportunity again. You yeah. know, and um, this is this is yeah. This this is traditionally it's it's the it's a combination of a lot of a lot of badness. Uh, it is Judge Smales because we're the the broader economy's topsy turvy. Like this is the next six to eight weeks is is traditionally typically the softest of the softest part of the 12 month buying cycle um just the or the buying and sell, their selling cycle i should say um in the hobby because there's there's no dog days of summer in baseball we got no football we got no basketball um yeah exactly this is this is the this is the traditional no hockey. hobby hobby life cycle dip yeah exactly so things are things normally soften up around around this time and everything else is um kind of accelerating and and um, emphasizing that, so to speak. So just, just know that this is, this, this is a good time to be a good time to be smart. And if you're, if you're chasing, 
market cycles if that's how you like to participate in the hobby and you're chasing trends like it's the, the waters are going to be further muddied by all of these outside considerations beyond just the standard hobby life cycle so just be careful yeah but buying buying basketball in the off season and selling in the preseason which has been a predictable dependable commodity and cycle for many many years may not be it, it could be worth less next nba preseason than it is right now it is quite possible mm -hmm. um because we've never been in a world economy like we're in well at least i haven't in my young adult life never been in a world economy that we're experiencing right now with the crypto and the market and everything else so um anyway but there's a lot of negativity out there uh i'm positive because I like to buy cards when they're low. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, some of the cards that I really like that have LeBron James and Michael Jordan and Giannis and Shaq on the front of them are lower now than they were, you know, nine months ago. And that makes me very excited because I can grow my collection. You know, um, I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Uh, unlike hockey, hockey is actually held very, very steady, like very impressive in the face of the basketball market dipping pretty consistently and significantly. I, I just looked at the indexes. It's, it's down for, for about... You know, six months, you know, when the hobby, well, really more like nine months after that first quarter 2021, when generally speaking, the low to mid end cards were kind of really crashing. Um, it were reducing in price. I hate to use the word crashing. Everybody was like, well, it's not happening to high end cars. High end cards are setting records. And that might have been true for a brief time period. And there still may be cards that do set records. But the high end market on the card ladder index, which consists of a large constituency of high end cards, actually down 10% over the last three months. And so hmm. you can no longer hang your hat on, well, high-end cards are doing great and low-end cards are getting killed. That's not the case. All the cards are going down and that's okay as long as you're honest about it and, uh, and you're educated and you're diligent and, uh, and you're making good good buying decisions. But like I said, I think that that's going to mean trading is going to be at a premium at these shows. I think people are going to be moving money from player to player and maybe sport to sport. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot more trading. And again, uh, I've never been to a national or any relevant show whatsoever, but it just kind of human intuition would make me think people aren't going to want to take huge L's in, you know, the form of currency, but they might be okay moving money from one player who's dipped to another player who's dipped that they believe in more, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. And I, I think that there's nothing wrong. It sucks taking an L. I mean, I'm, I'm, taking L's <laughs> just like everybody else right now. Yes. Um, but I, I think it's it's really important to recognize that dead money is dead money. Like if it's just a card that's sitting there and you, you're not willing to accept the fact that it's probably not going to get back up to 100% of what you paid for it, 90%, 85%, whatever that number might be, don't don't just lie to yourself and be like i'm i'm not it's gonna get back there just like have a have a real conversation with yourself and if you can get out from underneath this stuff even if it's you're taking some sort of loss like you what are you gonna do with that money you're immediately gonna put it back into the market and, and, and you're probably putting it into another card for a player who you believe in more who's right. also dipped yeah. Yeah. right so it's exactly you know yeah exactly that, that the whole point of that was just don't don't be afraid to um to take losses if that mean if it means that you can recycle that cash back into the market into what you think are better prospecting or buying opportunities for sure in the current market because there are there are tons of them there are tons of them yeah. um so if you if you whipped on a set a prospect or whatever it's it sucks but don't don't let personal pride get in the way of you like keeping funds locked up in something that is doing you no good at all 
especially yeah. like you said, Brian, when you feel better about something else right yeah. now. Yeah, be honest with yourself. If you missed, you missed. Like uh, Chris Dunn ain't coming back. Markel Fultz, eh, it doesn't look good. You know, there's a lot of people that, that got crushed on guys like that. Uh, Kobe White, go down the list, you know. Oh, whoa, whoa. He, well, he's yeah, 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 whoa, whoa. No he's Kobe in. White slander here. Relax. Relax. Sorry, sorry. Relax. his twin brother, Colin Sexton. That's what I meant. Uh, it's Colin Sexton, you know, guys like that. You know, if you bought at the peak, doesn't look good for you to get back to that peak ever. So maybe it's time to cut your losses. And it, I'll and be the first one to admit, I've got lots of guys yeah. that I've prospected, not lots, but numerous guys where I've had to take losses. But then I go take that money and I just throw it in the Jordan. And it doesn't it doesn't have to be like a wholesale rip the bandaid off. It's like right. if you've got multiples of a guy that you believed in, like you can you can still keep some of his stuff. Just that's just hedge out of that a little bit and yeah, take, for some sure. of the, take some of that cash that you had in them and put it into somebody somebody else that you believe in. It's there's yeah. there's different ways to do this. It's just a matter of, like you said, Brian, just just nutting up and be like, all right, this sucks, but you know here right. here's my ne- here's my negative fifty percent ROI and let's move on to the next thing or let's whatever. Go find somebody who we think is going to go up fifty. You know. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. All right, guys. Well, good episode. Uh, Justin, thanks so much for joining us, man. I feel much more prepared for the national. Hopefully our subscribers and viewers do as well. Um, don't forget to follow both these guys, Justin at 610 Sports Cards on Instagram and Josh at Midwest Vintage Cards on Instagram. If you're not on Instagram, I say this all the time, it really does change the hobby um, uh, and the way that you can experience the hobby and share the hobby. Um, it's just, it's an awesome tool that just takes the collecting experience to the next level. And I don't get paid by Instagram or anybody. I don't get paid by anybody for, for that matter. But, uh, I just have, have experienced so much joy, uh, with Instagram out there. So follow these two guys on Instagram and I'm at Cajun underscore cardboard as well. So if you guys ever have any questions about the national, don't ask me, ask these two guys, uh, <laughs> I'd be happy to talk cards all the time. And that's, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll butt in real quick, but that's what I always sign off with as well. It's like, if you have questions about anything, like just, just hit me up, let me know. Like I'm, yeah. I'm more than happy to help. I do it all the time. Um, it's good reminders for me too, that like, Hey, you know, we've been doing this, uh, Josh and I have been doing this for what seems like forever, but there's, there's newbies like, like Brian and like a whole bunch of other people out there that are like, Oh shit, I'm going to my first national. Like, what do I yeah. do? So just, yeah, just sure. reach out. Like we're, we're happy to help. It's easy stuff to typically easy stuff to answer and and we'll just we'll just go from there this is supposed to be this is supposed to be fun after all right. of the negative negativity we just talked about about you know eat jameson jamesoning l's and all this stuff of the market's crap it's, it's like that you're gonna have fun at the show like it's it's I the biggest thing fun. in the world it's it's an event you'll you'll meet people you'll see cards you'll buy cards sell cards trade cards probably drink too much listen to this several this, nights. i heard i heard about a three-on-three game Oh, and man. I don't think it's a coincidence, Justin, that you and I didn't – we got no invites. Like, I don't think anybody wants any part of us. Like, we can, I, even bring, we can bring Midwest Josh in there and just go – stand in the corner, Josh, and just, you know, get, get your hands ready. And I, I, had, think uh, I think it'll be I all right. A, I had an inquiry, but uh, these these Achilles aren't – we're not about to put try those. We're not about to put those to the test. Unless you want Dude. me to just – unless you just want me to dirk it from 25 feet now and oh. basically just shoot jumpers. Oh. I'm more than happy to, but you'll be screaming at me to get down low within like two minutes of being out. I will. I will say grow roots on that block down there. What is little Chris from Card Ladder and Josh Johnson or whoever else is playing in this three-on-three game? What are those guys going to do with, you know, with you down on the block? Somebody's got to come out and guard me on the perimeter. We got, we got Midwest Josh standing in the short corner just waiting to catch and shoot. Just what, like a a like a uh, a little bit older, not quite as athletic Ao Dosumu standing in the corner, hands ready to get jumpers up, unstoppable. We did not get an invite to this game. We're gonna have Wait, to is there is it really a game? 
where they where are they playing? I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. We've been we've been locked out for obvious reasons. There's too much right. talent on this uh, on this podcast. So good handles, man. I got too many good passes. You know. Yeah. So. Well, we may take your son instead of you. you oh, he's got he's got a good outside shot. So yeah. <laughs> well, you don't need outside shooting. You got me for that. So That's you need a po- you need a post player. I watched <laughs> I watched hustle last night. I think we got Matt Bullard. We don't need anybody there else. Go. Got there you go. All right, y'all. Thanks for joining me. Y'all enjoy your Monday, um, and uh, we'll we'll post this, and hopefully uh, you guys will get lots of fun questions and lots of uh, positive feedback. Thank you guys for uh, for joining me as well. Thanks, fellas. It was a great time. Appreciate the invite. Appreciate it. And that's it, guys. Thank y'all for watching. We ran a little bit long. It's an hour and 15. Like I said, I talk a lot. Justin talks a lot. Josh has got a lot to say, uh, but those two guys have so much experience in the hobby and specifically with the national uh, I just wanted to make sure you guys got to listen to them and uh, and get some answers to some questions that you may have. If you got anything that we didn't answer, put it in the comments. And if I don't know the answer, I'll get you answers. Uh, I, I don't know everything, but I do rub shoulders with people who do seem to know everything in the hobby. So uh, I'm kind of like that conduit between all of the intelligent big whale collectors and then uh, the rest of the hobby. I can uh, access and pick their brain all the time. And I do. Uh, so those are just two examples of uh, some really great experienced collectors that I'm uh, lucky and blessed enough to be friends with. But uh, anyway, uh, I don't take any of you guys for granted that are watching this video. You could have spent your hour and 16 minutes anywhere else, but I do appreciate you guys watching and taking the time. Hit the like button if you enjoyed what uh, we had to say or if you thought that at least it was thoughtful and provocative. Uh, hit the subscribe button if you haven't yet, and then hit the bell icon to get notifications for the next episode of the Pop Report, which uh, which we're doing about weekly. So. Anyway, thank you guys for collecting. Uh, Thank you guys for watching. Keep collecting. Stay positive in the hobby. And peace.